mindset of presuming goodwill coming from the other person. Yeah, presuming goodwill is one of the essentials. Healthy teams don't survive if they don't presume goodwill. Mm -hmm. And it it goes beyond just that simple trust that you might have in someone, um, putting that faith and trust in that spouse that they're going to be able to carry through and do their part and take care of You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Harvey. All right, back in the studios for the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast, and I'm teasing him very, very badly this morning, produced by Love, Joy, and Todd. Todd's awesome. You know, this podcast would totally suck without him. Truth be told, yes. So what we're jumping into and kind of talking about that is, you know, we're we're talking about team marriage and, you know, thanks, Todd uh, and Bev, too, for being a part of Team Operation Thriving Marriage. But um, Brian and I really like to use the the concept of team marriage and team as that picture of what marriage should be. Yeah. So what's your favorite team? I mean, really? Okay. So I'm lame and I'm going to say that I love Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> so they, uh, they're, they're design stuff. And um, our, our daughter says that we're Chip and Joanna, which is funny because she says dad's dorky and mom's just getting in there to do the work and get yeah. creative. Mom's beautiful and creative and gets stuff done. And dad gets in the way and makes bad jokes and looks no. ridiculous. Well, the bad jokes thing is true. Yeah. Actually, but... so Chip, though, is way more talent than I am because he actually like fixes stuff. And Chip, you're awesome, dude. Um, I can't do that at all. I told Jen up front when we were getting married, before we got married, I said, just look, I'm not handy. That's if know what you're getting into, you know. But you've become handy. <laughs> eh, yeah, I've, I've been able to do a couple of things, but what Chip does, tearing down those houses and putting it back together is pretty awesome. And I wish I had that skill, but I do not. So what, what's your favorite team these oh. days? Gosh, you know, since Jonathan's been born, I have not been watching sports like I used to, but I'm a loyal Red Wings fan. Mm-hmm. I, for those of you who are in Metro Detroit, I am totally bought into the Iser plan. Glad to have the captain back as our GM. Mm-hmm. Things are are looking good. I'm looking forward to um, one of these days getting down to the new arena. I haven't been able to make it down there yet, but yeah. Uh, I've got to stick with with my Red Wings. Absolutely, and we we just all experienced you know earlier this year the Super Bowl. We were the and it is not the Detroit Rams. Detroit fans, I love you. La won. You didn't. Right, but but Eminem played the halftime show too, so we'll we'll put a little bit of a claim on that. It's the closest Detroit's ever going to get to the Super Bowl, Ouch. and I just lost half of the Detroit audience, but. I'm sorry, guys. I love you. My opinion on the Lions has nothing to do about my opinion of your marriage or any marriages, and it does not reflect Operation Thriving Marriage or what? what's the correct legal disclosure I should be saying here to get myself out of trouble, or should I just stop talking? I'll record that at another time. But <laughs> but what I, I really liked about uh, the, the Super Bowl is you did see a lot of mistakes made. So Stafford was not the perfect quarterback in any of that at all. He made some mistakes and there was some cringeworthy things that happened, but ultimately he was able to put together things, not just him, but as that team to have some pretty spectacular plays and ultimately get the win. 
Absolutely. I think that's that's a why teams are so important. I mean, thinking back to, I mean, it's March now, so it's end of March now, so it's been a while since we watched the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But think back to that, if you remember, or go check out the highlights. At the end of the game, the Rams were going to lose to the Bengals. And then they get the ball, and Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup are able to put together a drive that leads to that touchdown. But then Aaron Donald and the defense, there was still a lot of time on the clock. Cincinnati had the opportunity. We talked about Joe Cool's injury, mm-hmm. but he he may not have been more mobile, but still that defense, Aaron Donald got to Joe Burrow. They got back there. They were able to do that. It was really a team win. And that's one of the things that even though I enjoy hockey watching more because of the speed, football is the ultimate team sport. No one player can do it. It's not like basketball in the past 20 years where you've had one player be the superstar and a cast of supporting characters. But really football, the quarterback has to be really good, but so does the offensive line. And then half the game, the offense isn't even on the field. Mm -hmm. So team success is the only way to be successful in football. And that's true in marriage as well. Very true. And if you're looking at basketball, Michael Jordan looks like the biggest and best basketball player of he all is. times, but he's got his Scottie Pippen. Well, yeah, he, there was a team. I mean, he couldn't play against all five other team members by mm-hmm. himself, though he might have been able to play against three of them by himself because he is that good. And but, sorry, but you need the team. And our, yeah. our Bo Schembechler, uh, University of Michigan, the team, the, the team, team, the, the team. team. Yes. Yeah. So teams are effective. There's the old adage, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. Teams are effective because they fill in the gaps of the others. Who was Matthew Stafford going to throw the ball to in the Super Bowl? You Mm -hmm. know, for the Red Wings, the goalie can keep the puck out of the net, but he's not going to be scoring any goals. You can go fast on your own, but if you want to go far, You've got to go together. You've got to have someone to pick you up when you're down. You've got to have someone to fill in your gaps. And in marriage, you can get to the end of your marriage real fast by yourself. Oh, that, that's very true. But if you want a healthy, thriving marriage that's going to last a lifetime, you got to do it together. It's yeah, a team. You got to work on this together and build that together. I like the the term that you used about filling in the gaps because that's what Rocky Balboa Yo, said. Adrian. Of, that's it. Said in... Uh, in the in the Rocky films that uh, he and Adrian, they filled in each other's gaps and they were a pretty amazing team. And just going through their story, he always performed better because she was there supporting him and she was always that turning point. Theology according to Rocky. There you go. But, I mean, really, I mean, that movie series, our son recently, I was talking about um, Eye of the Tiger came on the radio. I was rocking out to it. I'm like, this is great, Rocky, you know, the great underdog story. My kids are like, huh? What are you talking about, Dad? And of course, they'd never seen it. So we watched the first Rocky, and then now our son is into boxing and he wants he's we've watched all the Rocky movies and now he wants to watch Creed. He's just all excited about it, love the character. But in that, all the way through, that relationship, relationship, relationship between Adrian and Rocky was really, that is a very healthy, strong relationship and is a good um, representation of a lot of positive aspects of marriage. Because even when you get to the later movies where they lose everything, they're still in it together. Using some research um, following couples over decades, the book, um, The Case for Marriage, found out that actually married couples outperform single individuals because of this team concept, mm-hmm. the division of labor, where even a married man will make more than a similarly situated single man 
because of the division of labor at home. And even though they're spending more money, perhaps in certain ways, they may have a larger house because of children, whatever, Mm -hmm. they outperform their single counterparts economically time and time again. And there's a lot of contributing factors, but a big contributing factor that is the teamwork. It's filling in the gaps. All of the things to keep a household need to be done, whether you're married or single. But when it's two people living in the same household, one can be washing dishes while the other's washing toilets. Mm-hmm. You know, laundry, yes, there's more laundry, but one person is doing laundry for the whole family rather than two people doing their own laundry. Mm-hmm. This division of labor really is one of the secrets to the economic success of couples, of married couples. And it's even proven over time, according to their research. And again, it's The Case for Marriage. Waite and Gallagher are the Mm -hmm. authors. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. But looking at this, even cohabitating couples, it's different. The commitments are different. They are not as successful as married couples because there's still this idea of your bills and my bills, your stuff and my stuff, Mm -hmm. as opposed to our stuff. Yes. And that's consistent throughout the research and looking forward to new research coming out. Hopefully they or someone else will take research because the book's um, a little bit older now, but that research was consistent over decades. And the expectation is that'll be pretty consistent long-term as well. Teams do better. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And as a team in marriage, working together, that's how your marriage will thrive, how your marriage will be effective. And I think some people would say, well, God designed marriage to be that original dream team, but he was giving us such an amazing example in and of himself, one God in three persons as that Trinity, because these are different roles. These are different responsibilities that are really defined out in the Bible. When you look at how God has even divided out these uh, aspects of, of who he is in himself. Yeah, the Trinity has eternally existed as three persons, yet one God. And we talk all the time about how marriage is a picture of that. And there's something that you get to experience. We get to experience this as married couples. You get to experience part of this being one couple, yet two people. And just to illustrate, just and, there, and you reflect it too. You reflect it to the, absolutely. You reflect it in your relationships with others. You reflect it with your children, Mm -hmm. um, with your church community. People see that and they can see something of God. Um, A quick example, there's a ton of stuff in the Bible about showing the Trinity and how it works. And each one has a specific role, but I really want to highlight salvation. Mm. So we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father ordained that salvation would happen. You go back to the garden and we talk about the prophecy that God gave. It's like, hey, the child of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. He ordained that salvation would happen. You look through on Paul's letters, you talk about God planning salvation from the beginning, foreordaining things to happen. God superintended and ordered for salvation to happen. But then the son, Jesus, conquered sin and death on the cross and provides the means of salvation. So the Father ordained it and superintends it, but the one that actually accomplishes it, the one that does what's necessary is the Son. The Son had to die on the cross and resurrect, and that is what made salvation possible. And then the Holy Spirit applies that salvation to us 
by transforming us. And the Bible says he's the seal on us, that he works in us and transforms us and applies what Jesus did on the cross to us individually and us as a community. And please don't forget that. God saves the people into the church. It's a community and the Holy Spirit. We, the church, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is being applied to us and in us as a community and individuals by the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are the actual original dream team. I'd say so. And I love that because each has its own separate role, but working together. So the father, as well as ordaining that salvation, he gave his son for us. But Jesus had that responsibility to submit to the father. And again, he's equal with God because he's part of that trinity, but it was his role to submit to the father and go forward with that responsibility to suffer and die for our sins, conquered sin and death on the cross. He gives us that salvation as God, the Father had ordained. And like you said, the Holy Spirit does give us that salvation because he's continually transforming us and he gives us that seal of what's to come and those assurances. It's amazing. Yeah, and even what you're saying there, the Holy Spirit was involved working with Jesus too. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say filling the gaps because, I mean, that I'm not sure that I'm confident theologically on that. I got to think about that. But remember, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. And he re- and Jesus in turn relied on that Holy yeah. Spirit when he was here giving that human ministry, if you will. Right. And then when Jesus ascended, he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will go. And the, I mean, he sent it, the, the Spirit sent mm-hmm. by the Father and the Son. So all of that working together. It's really exciting, and we just kind of get out a little bit of theology. Yeah, it's beautiful here. <laughs> God gives us the example of a healthy team. We've always, humanity's always been intended to work as a team, even the first time, the first time in the history of history, the first time in the history of anything that something was not good was when the human that God created was alone. That's the first time there was ever something that was not good. Everything up to that point, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is not good that the man should be alone. We've always, from the very beginning, been created to work in teams. And I want to get back to, this is a marriage podcast. We're going to focus on marriage. Single people are not less human, but they do still work in teams and are more effective in teams. It doesn't have to be a marriage team, but work teams, ministry teams. In the community. Church, in Just community. people in general, married, single, yeah. focus, uh, I suppose, do better in that community um, kind of thing. And community is experienced in a very unique way in a marriage, in a family. And to geek out a little bit more theologically, though. Geek um, away. So the early creeds talk about the communion of saints. Mm -hmm. We are part of the church of all all the community believers that have lived before us, those that will live after we're gone. If Jesus doesn't return and the resurrection doesn't happen, even the desert fathers, for those of you familiar, these were early monks that went out to live by themselves in the desert to pray and really fight spiritual battles. Really interesting stuff. I encourage you to read about it. But they were part of the communion of saints. It wasn't they were physically alone, but the church and the people of God were with them spiritually. It is not good for the man to be alone. And I I tease by saying this, but it's like it's this communion of people together being alone. The introverts. Yes. The desert fathers must have been introverts. And and again, not true. I'm sure there are some extroverts out there. If I didn't love being with you so much and being married to you, I could totally be a desert father. There you go. There you go. 
Let's talk about some of the essential aspects of a healthy team. So you talked about Chip and Joanne. I talked about the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. They have these essential aspects just as much, but we're going to focus how they fit in marriage. But these essential aspects are true of any team, whether it's a work team, um, like Chip and Joanna, obviously they're married to a sports team, a team at school, anything, all groups of people working together. These two aspects are essential to being effective effective and healthy. And some of it, it come, boils down to mindset. And I know that, you know, the conversations that we've had, you have to have that essential mindset of presuming goodwill coming from the other person. Yeah. Presuming goodwill is one of the essentials. Healthy teams don't survive if they don't presume goodwill. Mm -hmm. And it, it goes beyond just that simple trust that you might have in someone, um, putting that faith and trust in that spouse that they're going to be able to carry through and do their part and take care of things. You want to be trusting that your spouse won't let you down, but at the same time, allowing that grace for when they do let you down, because that that's just happens because we're all people. Yeah, friends, listen to this closely because this is important. Trust is, I trust you're not going to hurt me. I trust you. I trust that, you, that you're going to do positive things. Or that Pre you're not out to hurt me, yeah. right? Presuming goodwill is, even though you hurt me, you intended it for good. Mm -hmm. Even though you let me down, your intention was positive. You may have failed miserably. And in marriage, we fail miserably sometimes. We hurt each other. No one can hurt me as much as Jen can hurt me because no one's as close to me as Jen. No one can hurt you as much as your spouse because no one's as close to you as your spouse. But when those things happen and we're frail, we're human, we're dealing with all of that stuff, presuming goodwill is, I know you intended positive. Execution may have been flawed. Okay, mm -hmm. let's acknowledge that. Let's work through that. Hey, I need to talk to you because that was painful. That This can't happen again. But you didn't mean for it to happen. Your intent yes. was always positive. Mm -hmm. If you want a thriving marriage, you have to acknowledge that, yeah, mistakes are going to happen. You're going to get hurt. Anytime you open yourself up, there's the potential to get hurt and it's going to happen. But your spouse never planned on hurting you. You have to believe that at the core of your being. They didn't intend it. They're not out to get you. They're they're not looking to wreck your marriage or wreck your life or wreck an event. And it's tough because there's some very big ways that you can presume ill will. Like how? Well, I mean, presuming that you're trying to make it difficult for me. You are spending all this money because you want me out of the house having to work more. You don't want me around. You're planning these things. You're undermining me in front of the kids because you don't want me to have that. There's some obvious ways where you can presume ill will, but there's subtle ways too. And I think the subtle ways are more dangerous. Going back to Song of Solomon, catch the little foxes. Mm -hmm. It's these subtle ways. Most marriages, when they get to the overt ill will, it's because of a buildup, a lot of these little ill will things. I that think. just weren't addressed. It's just not dealt with. And it's just over time, you get in, the, get in the habit of presuming ill will rather than the habit of presuming goodwill. And that, that's a bad habit to have. And I, I'd guess a hard habit to break too. So you know, it, just as you're listening to this, what are those little foxes that you have to catch? What's that awkward conversation that you have to have? What do you need to do to, to weed out 
these bad things from your marriage so that you can have that positive mindset going forward. Yeah. So for example, do you think your spouse doesn't care as much as you do about the team? Do you think that you care more about your marriage than your spouse does? That's presuming ill will. Mm -hmm. That's presuming that, hey, that this is not a positive thing. You're not working as hard on this. And it, it can be a subtle thing, you know? Do you think your spouse cares about something else more than the marriage? And this is different, right? There's not caring as much about the marriage, but also, but that doesn't mean they care more about something else in the marriage. So work. I mean, how many times have we heard from couples, they work too much, they're a workaholic, they care more about their job than they care about me? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This used to be a trope where it was the man working too much, right? This used to be back in the 80s. I mean, that was it was a sit, a normal sitcom plot, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not just men that become workaholics. Mm -hmm. You know, as women have expanded their presence in the workforce and been able to do more things, women are just as susceptible to the selfishness and sin of wanting that gratification that they get from work, that they can care about that. And so that's subtle ill will thinking that your spouse cares more about work than they do about your marriage. Mm -hmm. or, or other things, you know, if, if you have a spouse who's really caught up in volunteer work or a, a sports team, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things there. Absolutely. Jen might be worried a little bit about how much I care about my fish. but <laughs> Yeah, we have a saltwater tank and Brian is a great fish daddy, let me just say. And my fish are wonderful and except for the puffer that is still pacing and stressing out. So if you have ideas on how to calm down my puffer, you can go to operationthrivingmarriage.com and hit send a voicemail, help me out with my little puffer. Right. Anyway. Um, our cat thinks those fish belong to her, both the fish in the refrigerator that you'd eat as well as the fish in the tank that she'd yeah. like to eat, but that's another thing. But another thing, Jen, you mentioned um, like volunteer work and stuff. Mm -hmm. If you think your spouse cares more about church than you, Mm -hmm. that's presuming ill will. Sure. You know, you've got, and it's tough because people will justify things. And we'll talk about this sometime about justifying not prioritizing the family because, oh, I'm prioritizing God, which God needs to be prioritized first. But look at how God orders things and church work should never supersede family. Mm -hmm. But if you're presuming that your spouse cares more about volunteering at church, about singing in the choir, about taking care of the little babies in the nursery or whatever it is. All that are good things to do, by the way. But if you're presuming they care more about that than about your marriage, you're presuming ill will. Mm -hmm. And so if there's actions that need to be addressed, you need to talk about that. But the first thing you need to do is change your mind and presume they're not trying to destroy our marriage. They don't care about that more. You've got to presume goodwill presume that, hey, I'm caring for these babies because this is moving our family forward and moving the mission of God forward. And then if you're not feeling the love, you know, you need to have that conversation. Right. And, and it is possible that that other spouse does need to make some adjustments to that. But the point of us saying this is that we want to be presuming goodwill and be addressing things as they need to be addressed. And you're going to be able to address them better if you're presuming goodwill first. Mm -hmm. The conversation changes immediately when you presume that everything they're doing is for the benefit of the family. Mm -hmm. Everything they're doing is for the benefit of the marriage in their mind. 
Right. We all do things that we think are going to work out. Hey, this is going to be great. Womp, womp, womp. That didn't work so well. Right. Or there might even be some blind spots. Yeah. Just don't see. And presuming ill will is never a neutral thought. Any little thought that presumes ill will always damages a marriage. Presuming ill will always damages a team. And it's cliche in the NBA because the way the NBA markets and Mm -hmm. puts things out, it's almost NBA players are awesome people. I've had the privilege of meeting one or two. I'm not ripping the players in this. The way the NBA market is marketed and stuff is interesting at best. But the NBA has almost come the new um, WWE because it's almost like a soap opera for guys. All the drama. Well, this person's not playing hard enough. This person wants to leave this team and go to another team. You've got all this drama. And we see it time, time again. And if you're middle-aged like me, you remember Shaq and Kobe and the LA Lakers and how sometimes the LA Lakers, when Shaq and Kobe were on the same page, were unstoppable. Mm -hmm. My Detroit Pistons stopped them, But that's That's a five-game sweep. But when they were on the same page, they were unstoppable. Kobe, one of the best players to have ever played the game. Shaq, one of the biggest, best big men to ever play the game. When they were in it together, they were unstoppable. But when they were presuming ill will, particularly in each other, the LA Lakers were not able to stick together. That it just destroys a team when you presume ill will. And the same is for any team. If the defense on a football team doesn't believe the offense is trying as hard, the team falls apart, even in football, even though they're never on the field at the same time, they're still one team. Presuming Mm -hmm. ill will always damages the team. And I see this too, and I've seen over the years, um, couples who are divorcing, and it's always this thing that you and I talk about where couples that you know, are on the same page and appreciating their spouse. It's just, oh, it's so cute. And he always does this and she always does that. And it's precious and it's amazing and it's adorable. Or he always does this. She always does that. She always. Right. In in, in the, <laughs> the couples that are ready to split apart and they're falling apart at the seams because there's a lot of that presumption of bad will in there. And some people, as we've talked about, if you've got a, a spouse who's putting in a lot of work hours, the one who's doing it might be saying, well, I'm doing this to take care of the family and to have that these earnings and potentially get a promotion for more earnings so that we can do more with more money and more resources for the family. And then the spouse who's at home might feel like they're they're getting ignored or they're being less prioritized when the person who's out working saying, no, I'm prioritizing you so that I I can do this kind of earning thing. But a lot of times that spouse at home just wants more time. Yeah. And it's important to be thinking about each other. Mm-hmm. You first got to presume goodwill. You've got to yes. presume that every decision your spouse is making, it's for the marriage. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in this together. This We're, we're in this together. But the second essential aspect for all healthy teams is focusing on each other's needs. Okay, so we're going from presuming goodwill and then kind of rolling into focusing on each other's needs. Absolutely. And it's true of any team, particularly in marriage, but any team. If a basketball team, if a work team is only focusing on, hey, I'm going to be the best three-point shooter, 
I'm going to be the best this or that and not focusing on, hey, my teammates also need this. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to play defense too. Well, I think you can be the best three-point shooter and and hit all those shots, but in, in that so can push the team forward, but you've got to focus on other aspects of, of the team and the other team players' talents and kind of where they struggle so that you can all come together, fill those gaps and, and move forward to make it a winning team. Here in Detroit on the radio, they were talking recently about a very controversial hockey player, Sergei Fedorov, mm-hmm. one of the first Russians to be able to come to the U.S. and play in the NHL phenomenal talent number 91 whose number still is not retired um, in the red wings organization there's a lot of different reasons um, people presume but one of the things i want to say about him whatever your position is on whether sergey should have his number retired if he was one of the greatest you know um, again hit us up on speakpipe and we can we can have fun with that but he would play defense when the team needed him to play defense. He was a forward. He was an offensive player, a great scorer, one of the fastest skaters. I mean, the guy just seemed to just be greased lightning out there. He would play defense because that's what the team needed. Mm-hmm. And in those years, the Red Wings were dominant because they had players like Sergei Fedorov who would play defense when that's what the team needed him to be. And the same is true for for work teams too, right? I mean, you put a team together and, oh, I'm good at writing, I'm good at brainstorming, whatever it is, but we need to think about what the team needs and ideally going back to filling those gaps. If a team is put together well, then the person functioning in their strength is filling the needs of the team because you're filling a gap, a weakness on the team that you're there for. You know, again, Sergey Fedorov being able to play two ways on the hockey ice He's able to fill in the gaps where needed. Mm-hmm. You know, in a work team, when you put teams together, uh, there's a pastor that often talks about work to your strengths, staff your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, so a team focusing on each other's needs, but it's a little different in marriage because it's only the two of you. You can't bring in another person to fill a gap. You know, it's just the two of you in your marriage, but you still need to focus on each other's needs and fill those gaps to have a thriving marriage. Oh, very true. And, you know, we, we kind of talk about these concepts for for these teams that don't have anything to do with marriage, but it, it's a nice analogy in. But if we are talking about Chip and Joanna Gaines, they, when they're working on remodeling a home, they have different things that need to happen. And Chip loves his demolition coming in. And Joanna is putting together the design and she she needs assistance from Chip to do things. And she's doing certain things and in, in finishing touches. And you see cool things where, you know, she's planning on being at a house late, but Chip's bringing the family and dinner over so they can still have that family time together. And she's getting fed and that's able to kind of cut down on the time that she has to spend there too. Yeah. And they all focus on what do you need? So I want you to, to think about a bucket, all right? Think about you and your spouse, and you both have buckets, and you've heard a lot of bucket analogies in marriage, and I should come up with a different vessel for this analogy, but for now, think of a bucket, right? You've got a bucket, your spouse has a bucket, and you guys carry this around, and this is your ability to meet needs. This is your ability to do what needs to meet needs in your marriage. Now imagine that whatever that is, imagine these, this ability is ping pong balls in a bucket, right? So you've got a bucket full and each one of those ping pong balls is that person's ability to meet a need. Now imagine you chasing your spouse around doing everything you can to get 
ping pong balls out of their bucket and into your bucket. You're running around chasing each other, trying to get your ping pong balls out. Your goal is to keep your bucket full. Don't try this at home. Or try it at home. It could be quite entertaining. Have fun. Oh, dear. But your, your goal is to keep your bucket full at all costs. Eventually, what's likely to happen is either one person's bucket is full and the other's is empty, or all the ping pong balls are all over the floor. You know, chasing around trying to get those out into your bucket is going to cause problems, and someone loses, usually both lose. Yes. All right. Now, let's back up. You've got the same buckets, same ping pong balls. Now, your goal is to make sure your spouse's bucket is always as full as possible. A good team, all you're going to do is sit there and pass ping pong balls back and forth into each other's buckets. You're not going to lose any, and neither bucket is ever empty. Mm -hmm. because you're focusing on meeting their needs, keeping their bucket full. That's team marriage. Keep focusing on each other's needs. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? In a marriage, in a thriving marriage, that question is asked a dozen times a day. Hey, what can I help you with right now? Mm -hmm. What do you need right now? What do you want? And I encourage you when you're asking that question, there's a big difference between do you need help and what do you need? Do you need help triggers a yes-no response. And it's always going to be no because they're thinking about you. Unless they're really stressed. <laughs> they're, I mean, we're trained, no, I got this, no, I got this. But when you ask, what do you need? I can't answer that with a yes or no. Mm -hmm. I've got to answer it with, I don't need anything right now. I need to at least put together a full sentence. Mm -hmm. In a marriage, in a thriving marriage, both spouses must constantly work to meet each other's needs. Constantly asking, what do you need? And over time, you'll learn each other. You'll be so close to each other that you'll be able to see needs and meet them before they're expressed. That's like next level marriage, thriving marriage. When you get to that point, that's awesome. But in the meantime, the rest of us mere mortals need to be asking, what do you need? Yeah, I'm thinking what? Dancing with the Stars. It's like if somebody makes a misstep, they're both so in tune that both of them will kind of make this misstep, but nobody has a clue because we don't know what the choreography is ahead of time. And they just kind of keep going and fill in those gaps. What, what, what talking about gaps, something that occurred to me was the, the subways and kind of those commuter trains uh, in Europe where you always hear and see the signs that say mind, mind the gap. gap. That's mind right. The gap. That's it. <laughs> so it's like, but we're not just being aware of it and looking out for it. It's saying, what can we do to fill in? In. And a lot of times God will have strengths and weaknesses in, in a couple where the strengths of one can meet the weaknesses of the other and vice versa to fill in those gaps. And it's just a beautiful thing when don't, a marriage can work like that. Yeah, but don't try to fill the gaps on the tube in London because no. that's, that's discouraged. That's and, something else. So yeah, thing. I mean, but filling those gaps again. Yo, Adrian, we, we, we fill each other's gaps. That was a horrible Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I should not do impersonations. I was going to say, get, get our friend uh, Chris Ayat to do that. Yeah, He's I, our man of many I, voices. I, I, need, I need to not do impersonations. Yeah, so we need to, someone else to fill the gaps for me there. Um, but yeah, working hard to fill those gaps and focusing on each other's needs. And it's, it's a constant process. So starting with presuming goodwill, starting with, hey, my spouse is doing everything they can bring us forward to make things better? And what can I do to help them? Good teams presume goodwill. They focus on each other's needs. Thriving marriages do the same. Thank you for joining us on the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. 
We want to be a part of God's plan for marriages to thrive around the world, and you can help us do that by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on whatever service you use. As an added bonus, if you subscribe or review, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free copy of our book, Operation Thriving Marriage. You'll get an additional entry into the drawing if you share your thoughts on social media about the podcast with the hashtag Operation Thriving Marriage. Hey friends, we appreciate you joining us and we're so excited about this new feature on our website, which is called SpeakPipe. You can go to our website, operationthrivingmarriage.com, hit the send voicemail button and you can give us feedback on our episodes. You can ask us questions and with your permission, we'd be happy to feature your recording on a future podcast episode. Thanks for joining us, friends, and we can't wait to hear from you.